Hey folks, welcome to episode 292 of the MLF Bass Fishing Podcast in Shaftesbury, Vermont. I'm Jody White, joined from Norwalk, Iowa, by the one and only Kyle Wood. Yeah, man. Uh, it, it's definitely not as warm here as it was uh, in Florida. Kyle, I put flip-flops on yesterday, or I took, I put shoes on yesterday for the uh, first time in wow. over a week, I think about two weeks. It wow. was tragic. It broke my heart. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, the Florida swing, at least for you and I, is over. It is, sadly. Poor timing, really, when you, when you think about it. Yeah, you know, in Vermont, it's like pretty much just normal cold right now, but it certainly uh, seems like Florida is the place to be as far as from a countrywide standpoint. That's where you want to be right now. Yeah, so I, I, uh, I flew home Monday night and... I landed at like 10 o'clock at night, I think. And um, so I flew from Florida, from Fort Myers to Atlanta. And then Atlanta, it was like raining and kind of cold, or at least sounded cold, you know, for Atlanta. And then uh, the pilot, you know, like you get on the plane and they tell you like, you know, how long the flight's going to be and what the weather's like in your destination. And uh, they were like, it's currently negative five. And, you know, when we land in an hour and 40 minutes, it's going to be like negative 15. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Aggressive. So I got off the plane and I still had a t-shirt on uh, and like jeans. And I was like, wow, this, this is not good. I need, I need all the clothes out of my suitcase as soon as I get it. But it sucked because all of those were cold, uh, you know, from being under the plane. So uh, then my truck wouldn't start. It was just a bad welcome back to Iowa. Uh, but good to be home. Yeah, well, I mean, you're home, you're soon to go ice fishing, so uh, I'm not going to say you're, like, entirely a glutton for punishment, but there are other warmer <laughs> options for winter activities that you could be doing, so you're, yeah, true. you're built for this. Hey, it's supposed to be, like, 30, uh, like, coming up at the end of this week, so, I mean, it's going to feel like 70 degrees. I mean, it's going to be glorious outside. I went for a walk this morning, and... Uh, about like 150 yards into it, I broke a sweat because there's like, you know how the snow, sometimes it gets a crust on top. Oh yeah. You have to like stomp your way through it. Yeah. That's the worst. I can't, I'm not like, uh, what is it that like some animals can go on top of the snow, like deer go through, but like wolves and stuff can go on top. I think. Yeah. They're like, I'm uh, not one of those animals that can go on top of the snow. I go through it and you uh, you need snowshoes, you know, we might even have some, but I don't know. I'm not that invested in the walk. Uh, <laughs> but anyhow, we this is going to be our Florida extravaganza show because we have uh, two major tournaments to wrap up. Uh, one being the uh, Toyota Series event on Lake Toho. The other being the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit opener on Lake Okeechobee. Then we've got a uh, Harris Chain, a uh, couple of college and high school events at the Harris chain to at least mention we are going to definitely mention the Toyota series event on Gunnersville, and because of all that and because of sort of our current uh, logistics it's going to be no interview so folks buckle up for Kyle and Jody just talking to you um, if that sounds good with you Kyle I say we dive into this thing yeah yeah man let's uh let's get after it all right, so let's go ahead and start with 
the Toyota series on Toho, and we'll kind of work our way forward uh, in time. Okay. Um, the, uh, I guess the primary news from that was, one, it was baller, uh, and two, <laughs> um, Brian Schmidt won it and also set the Toyota series wins record. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty freaking cool, man. Yeah, like, I didn't realize, none of us knew that Schmidt was going to set the record until Schmidt told Newell at weigh-in. He's like, <laughs> yeah, now that I won this, I'll have the record. And we were like, wait a minute, will he? And <laughs> yes, he will. Uh, he was in a tie with Kobe Krieger and Randy Haynes for oh. uh, previous and... You know, with his, let's see, uh, this was his sixth win, and um, did it in style. Really pretty much closed things down. (laughs) Um, He had an 8-2 margin. He weighed 25-9 on day one, 22-15 on day two, and then 18-2 for, I think, four I on the it was final day, four bass, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is pretty strong for four bass. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, dude, very cool tournament by Schmidt. Um, Kyle, how do you think he won? Well, I mean, I know, but also, if I was just gonna make a guess, I would say it involved grass, uh, and probably like a moving bait of some sort. Yeah, probably, uh, probably a swim jig, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, so he fished off. He fished offshore grass, and it was a cool tournament because, like, <clears throat> there were really two distinct patterns. There weren't any fish on bed. It was kind of there was a cold front. I mean, I guess there were theoretically some fish on bed, but that bedding fish pad type bite didn't really play. So you were either flipping or you were fishing offshore, essentially. Um, and Schmidt fished offshore. He had like this really this one stretch of grass that was super juice compared to anywhere else in the lake but there were a lot of other places around the lake where certain stretches of grass were really good um like bobby bakewell caught 26 13 and he had a stretch of grass in uh toho and then he had a stretch down in cyprus and day one he caught big ones in cyprus and he caught a good limit in toho uh he did the same thing on day three day two it was really windy he only caught two fish so that grass bite was kind of volatile for some guys, but also it was like a really good way to get a quick limit. A lot of lipless baits thrown in this thing, which was kind of cool. Yeah. But at the same time, like, you know, Mikey Kiso caught the vast majority of his weight flipping. Um, you know, Stephen Hadela, same deal. Fitzgerald, kind of the same thing. He actually caught a big one on a prop bait on the final day and he was catching a few every day on a lip list so you know that some guys were doing both some guys really honed in on one um but it was a cool derby i'm every time i increasingly love these florida derbies where there's a solid offshore bite like we see it at the harris yeah. chain a lot yep we're now we're seeing it at toho a bunch like it's very cool i think the uh the other cool thing for this tournament is it there was that big cold front. Uh, the water was cold. It was like mid-50s, low-50s, uh, something like that, wasn't it? 
mid fifties for sure. Yeah, I guess I'm gonna be honest. I never put my toes in the check, uh, <laughs> so I don't really know. Um, it that it wasn't warm. You know, there were not like the sight fishing. Supposedly, there were a few sight fish found, but it was definitely not a big thing. The guys when they were flipping were flipping very slow, like it was flip it in and yo-yo it and yo-yo it and yo-yo it yo-yo it and then move on it was not a flip once twice flip once twice you know they were going slow um and uh day one actually um let's see zach fadden caught 20 pounds and he caught it on an umbrella rig um oh yeah and he actually said that he needed it to be colder because the way he was catching his fish was like a morning, kind of a schooling bite almost. And it was all about that, uh, like basically all about the cold weather. And day two, it was too warm. <laughs> um, but uh, either way, it was it was a cool derby. Yeah, it definitely uh, it definitely seemed like it uh, falling along. And, and I'm with you, like these... Uh, like offshore grass Florida tournaments are really cool, or at least Florida tournaments where you see a different dynamic than like in Okeechobee, uh, which you get, you know, that's the cool thing about Toho and Harris. Uh, you know, both those two fisheries that, uh, you know, we've been visiting a little more frequently the last couple of years, you get kind of some of these other things. You can see guys using their electronics to catch fish. Like that's how Schmidt, um, found that little strip of grass he was fishing. Um, you know, that he caught most of his big weight off of. Uh, like, that's pretty cool. You don't really, you know, hear a whole lot of that about Okeechobee. You just kind of flip around and throw a swim jig or a, or a you know, a big easy or something and catch fish. But um, this tournament, you know, has, like, a little more to it and it's a little more fun, especially when you see, like, hard baits getting tossed around. Granted, they're all lipless crankbaits, but it's still cool. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple people that kind of caught a fish or two on a jerkbait, and there were a lot of, like, really big fish caught in this tournament, which was cool. Yeah, there were. Um, you know, from a, like, 9, 10, 11 pounder standpoint, like, we saw them hit the scales, uh, which, you know, you just, you don't see at Okeechobee. Um, yeah, yep. You know, the, that those central Florida lakes have some of the biggest fish in the, in the state, and definitely, I think, like, Toho and Kissimmee, like, from a sheer size perspective... I would say that it seems like they get bigger there than anywhere else. Maybe not anywhere else, but anywhere else we have big tournaments at. Yeah. Like it feels like your average size can be higher, and you can see bigger bags or just as big bags at the Harris chain. But it seems like, I mean, I don't feel like we've seen as many just giant fish at the Harris chain as we do at those uh, at those Toho and Kissimmee events. Yeah, 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 I'd, I'd, I'd agree with you. Um, but anyhow, I mean, I guess that was kind of the deal. One thing that's interesting to note on that one, uh, Mikey Kiso, the last two Southern Division events he's fished, he's finished second in. He finished second up at Seminole, Seminole. last fall, and then second in this one. Both times flipping. Um, he's got a Skeeter this year, not a Triton, so I almost certainly drove yeah, by him it the first threw day you off. and was like, <laughs> uh, who's that? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, dude, uh, Mr. Kiso is on a roll, baby. 
Yeah, he's definitely uh, got the hot hand. Yeah. I would like to... We'll, we'll see how sort of the rest of the year develops. He's one of those... There's a couple of guys in Florida who I think are really good, and I want to see them fish more out of the state of Florida, and he's one of them, uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, but anyhow, other... Uh, any other thoughts from that one? No, I think uh, it was like kind of a good uh, precursor to like Okeechobee, right? Like we had some good fishing and then, you know, we were just moving south a little bit. Boom, kicking off the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit season. Um, yeah, I think I think it, we could just transition on over. I love it. Well, Jared McMillan won that one, right? Uh, certainly he did. Oh, wait a minute. He did not. <laughs> that <laughs> that oh, was he didn't I, what? I, I got to be honest with you, man. Uh, oh, surely both McMillans made the top ten. <laughs> and again, I'm just double checking the the results here, and I do not see a McMillan in the top ten. Now, you know, no knock to those guys, but gosh dang, did it seem like if one of those dudes was going to win one of these things, like this year? Could have very well been the year for it to happen. It could have been at the same time. It was not a punching tournament. Like it was not a. It was. It was a weird flipping tournament, if that makes sense. And boy, yeah. if you want to see a Big Mac do it in Okeechobee, it feels like they're gonna flip. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Even though there was like there was a lot of there were a lot of guys flipping mats, and there were some really good sections of the lake that had. Um, you know, good looking stuff in it. Yeah, that just, uh, it, it was like the first time in a long time that we've had a tournament on Okeechobee, other than last year's series event because it was later in the year. Uh, but for this like January, February time frame, at least that I can recall, that we actually had just stable, you know, if anything, warming weather. Uh, Dude, it was, I mean, it was wild. From the Elite Series up at the St. John's to. Uh, us down at Okeechobee like it was probably one of the most one of the most perfect weather weeks especially for us that you've had in Florida like it oh, yeah. was warm the whole time there was never a hint of it getting cold no um, no yeah which is truly shocking because there have been so many tournaments in Florida where we have had at least one day where we have to bundle up for yeah it like there were uh you know i I think I wore a really light hoodie every morning uh, on the water for a little bit. But other than that, man, it was it was glorious. And, and that really, I think, kind of shaped uh, how some of, like, the play out for the McMillans was. Uh, like, why it, you know, why it wasn't a super heavy, uh, like, punching kind of tournament. Now, granted, I think Brandon, uh, on that day three rally he had... Um, you know, caught some doing that. And guys were catching females. I mean, we'll get into it in a little bit, but guys were catching some big fish, you know, flipping heavier cover, whether it's like those reed heads, um, like Salzman caught a lot of fish on a chatterbait, like right on the edge of some smaller clumps of reeds where surely those fish were probably pulling up to spawn. Uh, or, you know, at least they might've been spawning on like one of the, you know, a, a little point off of that reed clump. Um, so, on the one hand, like, it definitely seemed plausible that, you know, that 
punching would be a deal, especially with females kind of staging um, in and around those spawning areas under some of those mats. But at the same time, it just didn't, it didn't really feel like it uh, played out that way. And it doesn't really look like it played out that way either. Yeah. Now, uh, now we've gotten to a point here. I am not 100% sure that we've said that Skeet Reese won yet. Oh, yeah, we had uh, Skeet Reese won. <laughs> he had, uh, what do you have? 82, eight, yeah, 82 pounds, 14 ounces. Um, and uh, the kind of the story, I would say the story of the tournament was that he caught 27 pounds in the last day. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. Biggest bag of the like, entire event on the final day, 27 pounds, 9 ounces. That was, uh, man, if you're going to win... That's the deal. The thing is, I was, like, it was such an odd ending to the tournament because the final day, we had this group of basically, like, six pros within, like, two and a half pounds of each other in, at, in the top six. Yep. And that's incredible in Florida. I mean, that almost it, never happens. Yeah. No, you're right. Like, starting starting the day, it really was kind of like any one of those dudes, all you got to do is just catch the biggest bag of the day and you're probably going to win. Yeah, and by like nine thirty, it was like, well, we can go in because <laughs> you know it, the lake. It did not look like anyone else was going to catch twenty seven pounds. Like we yeah. had got to the point of the tournament where anyone catching twenty seven pounds seemed like kind of a long shot, and then Skeet went ahead and did it. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> you filmed day five with him just a minute ago. Do you want to kind of dive into how he won? Because uh, you weren't watching him very much. I didn't. I drove past where he was once, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure that you can like give us the dirt on how it went down. Yeah. So um, it was really interesting. I guess you know for folks following along, maybe you got a sense of it, maybe not. But um, really, you had like you had a lot of guys outside of Clewiston. Um, I guess like what was that? Like Westwall? Is that kind of where they were? Closer than that? I mean, I don't know where anything is on Lake Okeechobee. They were like a half mile from Clewiston. Outside of Clewiston, really up to like Harney Pond. Uh, first two days when it was full field, you had a ton of guys fishing in there. Like a ton of guys. There were also a lot of guys up north. Kings Bar, um, you know, like right outside the Kissimmee River up there. And then you had some guys fishing, like, South Bay. And for a while, it really seemed like, you know, that Clueston to Harney Pond stretch was going to be the deal because that's where a lot of the you know, big bags came on, on the first day. Um, but I think pressure kind of took a toll on that. So Skeet Reese was fishing in South Bay the whole time. He had 17-12 the first day. Um, he was flipping uh, just... I don't know. I call him pencil reeds. He calls them tulies because he's from the West Coast. Uh, but he was flipping those little clumps where fish were, you know, spawning. Um, kind of salvaged his day there. He was sharing water with uh, Dickie Newberry was down there. Uh, I think Nick LeBrun fished in there. Uh, Kyle Gellis. There LeBrun were a handful of other there guys. Day two. Day one, LeBrun did very much not fish there. Oh, okay. Well, the point is, there were some other guys down there, but it wasn't near the pressure it seemed because uh, I spent a lot of my tournament up north. I watched Jim Neese a lot. Uh, he was the farthest guy north. Um, there was just way more pressure kind of on the opposite end of the lake from where Skeet was. Uh, day two, Skeet catches 21.9. Same thing, he's still kind of flipping reeds. Um, day three, he catches 16 pounds. Um, still kind of doing the same thing. 
on the final day, the the real big difference was um, he basically he picked up a chatterbait and uh, started fishing where some of the wind was blowing into these this bigger cattail. Uh, I don't know. It's basically like a big flat. It had little points in it, but little sparse cattail patches in front of the main wall of it. And those sparse patches are where the big fish were staging. He didn't know if they were spawning um, or if they were just pulling up there and kind of hanging out before they were going to go farther back in there uh, to spawn. Because once you got through that main wall, it kind of opened up and there were, you know, little isolated reed clumps and, you know, stuff that those fish would probably spawn on as well. So he just threw the chatterbait along the edge of it, hitting all the little pockets uh, and little lanes in that sparser outer clump where it was a little deeper. It was like four and a half feet-ish, uh, four, four and a half. And, I mean, he lost one that he thought was maybe a bass, never saw it, thought maybe it was a mudfish or dogfish or a bowfin, whatever you want to call it. And then he caught like a five-pounder, and then he caught like another five-pounder, then he caught like a seven, and it was just, for like an hour, it was game on. He actually, I mean... He kept catching fish and he kept trying to go farther back in to try to get on some fish that were spawning. But um, him and I talked about it on day five. But it, like if you looked at a lot of the fish he caught on that final day of that 27 pounds, a lot of them looked very fresh. They were that white color, like very new, you know, fish that probably just pulled in. So he really just, uh, you know, made a really good decision. Uh, he didn't really change areas. I mean, like. He showed me some of the reed, or we flipped some of the uh, pencil reed clumps out in the middle of this bay, and you know it's a you know half mile trolling motor ride, maybe less to like kind of where he started catching them on the chatterbait, and it was a stretch that um, you know Rob watched him fish, uh, or you know watched a lot of guys fish down there throughout the week and said everyone was kind of fishing it. Skeet was just kind of the first one to go over there and everyone kind of been avoiding it because the wind was rolling in there well skeet pulled in there with the chatterbait uh with that uh berkeley power bait the deal on the back of it and just started stroking big ones <laughs> yeah big time which like the deal so this is a side note uh the deal is a really good chatterbait trailer um, yeah we put we did the preview or i did a review of it last spring like there are definitely baits that any company makes that are not good and get promoted like out the wazoo, even though they're not good. Mm -hmm. That is a bait that is good. <laughs> um, yeah. That one's worth, uh, worth your money. Uh, that said, I'm not a hundred percent. I suspect that he could have thrown a variety of chatterbait trailers and, uh, probably caught those fish. Um, but, uh, was he throwing the actual max scent six inch or was he throwing the uh power bait six inch good in general good question did you get uh, to the bottom of this so he was throwing the power bait one uh or non-max scent just regular power bait and he actually ran out <laughs> and he had he had a uh uh i don't know if i uh, i don't know there might be some b-roll of it they're designing it was some prototype it's like a speed worm it's like a power bait speed worm kind of thing but it has like you know the tails on the back of the deal uh like if you picture those and then stuck them on a general that's kind of what it looks like 
So Skeet then resorted to using these prototypes where he just pinched the the little tails off the end and then was flipping that. Okay. So, you know, <laughs> I, I kind of gave him some crap because I'm like, man, at least you were like super prepared for Florida. He's like, yeah, I don't know what, I don't know. I didn't have more of those. Like, well, I mean, you know, it worked out. So I can't, can't argue with you. Also a way to be resourceful, I guess. Yeah, no doubt. Um, either way. But yeah, I- it was, it was power bait, uh, a power bait general was what he was flipping. Okay. Um, it's interesting. Um, cause like, so Gagliardi finished, uh, 10th, I think. Yep. Or ninth. And he was. Like, he felt that the max scent made a huge difference for him. And that, like, it was critical. And he, uh, he's like, you know, I've used it for smallmouth, but I've never really thought it made, I've never really, you know, been someone who thought it made a difference for largemouth. And, like, I'm a believer now. And uh, I was like, oh, well, me too. <laughs> but it's interesting <laughs> that, you know, you could have, people who are max scent believers and then max scent totally didn't factor into the win with a guy who presumably would have had plenty of access to it if uh, they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, Skeet, it sounded like he just wanted, uh, the bigger profile one. That's why he threw the six inch and two. Um, I'm pretty sure we talked a little bit about how like the durability of max scent and the durability of power bait. Yeah, like and, the max scent's not as durable. It's right. So in some scenarios, it's just as durable. Like if you nose hook it, I think you can burn. You can catch a lot of smallmouth. But I mean, I agree with you. Yeah. So he wanted the power bait general. Uh, just you know, held up a little more. He could catch a few more fish on it. Didn't have to worry about like, you know, taking time to grab another bait and keep flipping. So I guess I could, you know, buy into that. Also, he's Keith Reese, and the dudes want a ton of money. And uh, obviously won a ton of stuff, so who am I to question what he did? Yeah, I mean, it's not – I mean, you can't. He got 27 pounds in the last day. Like, I'm not I'm not <laughs> questioning it. I'm just <laughs> saying it's interesting that you can have divergent opinions oh, in yeah. the top 10. I'm 100% with you, and that was, like, the first thing I asked him when I jumped in the boat. Uh, because, you know, he had a – the thing I, I really much – I appreciate about Skeet, and Skeet Reese is a guy that, you know, you and I haven't really – you know, talked with in our careers, right? Uh, not someone come across. I think I've spoken with him once at ICAST maybe. Uh, so we were kind of like getting to know each other, but I looked in his boat and he just had, I mean, it was just trashed. There's baits everywhere. There's uh, chatter baits laying all over the bottom of the boat. There's, uh, you know, like fishing line, uh, just everywhere. And I was like, Skeet, I like it. He's like, yeah, man. Like, I don't, I can't really be, I'm not a neat freak. I just, you know, that's how the boat was. I'm too tired to clean it. I'm like, my man, it looks like, you know, what my boat would look like. Just fallen soldiers everywhere in the bottom of the boat. Well, I feel like if you catch 27 pounds, you do whatever you want, right? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, Good deal. Uh, is there anyone like below this that we want to mention or really call out? Um um, or like any particular pattern you think that we should really, really jump on? Well, I here? think the the other cool thing in my mind was kind of two other guys. Chris Lane uh, fished like Pelican Bay uh, the last the couple last days. two days. Yeah, and he was doing like 
that pad stem, you know, uh, he was using the Bass Pro Shops sticko worm. Yeah, um, he was fishing very Florida. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very uh, which you would kind of expect for a guy like Chris Lane, right? Like yeah. that. Um, and it was interesting because Skeet was telling me that where Chris caught him, other than where Skeet fished in South Bay, Pelican Bay was the other spot that Skeet in the two days of practice thought like, ooh, I didn't really get a lot of bites in here, but it just looks too good. Like I Dude, should probably did, fish that. You, did, you never went there, right? Uh, correct. I it looks did. so good. It's got good watercolor. It's it looks like Kissimmee there. Ooh, like it's got all these little isolated clumps of pads and isolated reeds. There's not a lot of hay grass. Like it looks to me that Pelican Bay stretch looked better than any other part of the lake by like a mile. Ooh. So like I could, yeah. I mean if. There is absolutely, like, if I had pre-fished for that tournament and gone in there, I absolutely would have been like, oh, wow, this looks good. And then in the tournament, I would have gone there and caught two fish every day. Um, <laughs> but, like, it looked super juicy. <laughs> uh, so that was cool. Um, what else was cool? Jim Neese's spot was really cool. I mean, because it was literally a, uh, let's see, does he say how long it was? I'm going to say it was 100 yards. Oh yeah, hundred yard stretch. That's what he, that's what he calls it. Um, and it was just like sparse little clumps of cattails. There was like a little bit of hay grass and a few reeds mixed in, and he just went up and down it every day. And like fish would pull up to spawn, and so he'd catch buck, a buck, a buck, a buck. You know, like pound and a half, two pounder, maybe a three pounder, and then he'd catch like a six pounder, and then <laughs> and then. Uh, it, but, I mean, it was crazy. I watched him multiple times go up and down, not catch anything. And then, like, the sixth pass, he'd go down and boom, 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 boom. He'd catch three or four. Some of them would call, maybe. He'd go back up. He'd catch a big one. And you're like, whoa. Uh, but he did that every single day. Uh, and he was, like, the only guy that far north. Uh, and he made it work. It's also cool. I think he found that spot because of fog on one of the days of practice. He didn't want to run, nice. so he just idled out and started fishing. Uh, I really feel like Nice needed one more spot. Like, he needed yeah, something yep. else to do, you know? Because he had a like he had a shot to win this event, which is kind of wild. Because, you know, Jim Nice for a while, worked for FLW. Like, he was a tournament assistant. He, like, checked mm -hmm. guys in at BFLs, right? And then last year, he won on Chickamauga. Yep. Now he's fishing as a pro on tour. Like... You know, we wild things happen with rookies, and I don't, I don't think Jim Neese expects to win AOI, and I'm not sure anyone else expects him to win AOI. At the same <laughs> time, like my gosh, did he have quite a start? And like, if he had had one more spot or like just some little other thing to do, gosh, I he know. might have won the whole thing. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's that's tough. But uh, you know, still great start for him. Uh, that was cool. Dickie Newberry's cool. Uh, you know, we already kind of talked about it. He's fishing more of a worm. Uh, he was throwing a gambler burner worm uh, around and kind of dragging around. Same kind of area Skeet was. Bill McDonald and Miles Berghoff were, like, basically fishing the same water, uh, right? You watched them. Yeah, they were fishing exactly. I mean, they weren't. They were fishing the same water, and they had these little stretches that they 
used only for each other, if that makes sense. Like, Oh, I got you. There'd be like a 25-yard stretch of reeds slash mat that like only Berghoff would fish, and then there'd be another section that like only Billy would fish. <laughs> but basically they were just fishing all the same stuff. Ah. Um, it was super boring. I'm going to be honest. Because <laughs> they were just both, you know, flipping like uh, Senko. Well, I don't think actually either of them flipped a Senko. Um, but they were both flipping a stick bait and a creature bait <laughs> in cattails and mats pretty much. And like they mm. occasionally caught something winding around that ballpark. Um, which like, they're pretty cool dudes. And I'm glad they caught them. And honestly... Going in that final day certainly looked like one or the other of them could win. Probably if they both hadn't been fishing the exact same stuff. One yeah. of them, honestly, one of them maybe would have won. You know, like if there'd been less pressure there, I think that they could have gone into the, one of them could have gone into the day with a pretty solid lead, but mm-hmm. there was not. There was a ton of pressure there. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they were basically just fishing the same stuff. Um, yeah, they and we see. I think we see a lot of that on Okeechobee uh, every year. Like guys kind of cannibalizing themselves. Yeah, uh, it. I think maybe more than. I don't want to say you need something different at Okeechobee because there have been plenty of tournaments. I mean, like Skeet won, and Dickie Newberry really wasn't fishing that far away from him. You know, so like the I, you don't have to have something different i guess but it sure seems like it happens a lot where you'll see three or four guys pile up in a spot and make the top 10 and by the end of the final day it'll look pretty it'll be pretty clear that none of them had a shot to win yeah Um, and that's really what happened in that on that final day i mean if you if you look at what gagliardi and you look at what um if you look at Gagliardi and Berghoff and uh, McDonald caught, like they were not in it to win it on that last day. Mm-hmm. And it's not because they're bad anglers or because it wasn't a good spot. They just pulled too many fish out of that area. Yeah. Yep. Now, uh, if one of them had, say, pulled a Chris Lane and, you know, ditched out of that area at some point and gone to some other fresh fish, well, it could have been a whole different story. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, they did not, they stuck it out in there, did well, made a top 10, but come way in, they weren't in it, you know? <laughs> right. Um, uh, Pete Pons was another guy doing something kind of different though. Like he was throwing a frog, uh, in Harney Pond. That's cool. So um, where is Harney Pond? So Harney Pond, like if you, well, were we, were we launched the yep. first couple days? That's the canal come out of the canal and then harney pond's like right there if you go up cut it towards the main lake you got bird island and then i believe if you come back around there's like another big bay that's the monkey box so closer to the main lake let's say you go out of the canal but before you go out of the canal you take a right and you go to the side of the canal like you go through the side of the canal and you go to the right and you fish basically that's harney pond in there uh, that's the way my boat driver, he kept calling it Harney Pond. I guess, I mean, I'm kind of with you. I get a little lost on where stuff starts and ends, but that's how I would. 
I would just consider that part of Honey Pond because the canal is called Honey Pond Canal, so that is fair. Um, yeah, anyway, he was fishing. Yeah, I don't know where, wherever Harney Pond is, he was fishing in there. He was actually fishing, like, essentially, like, across from the boat ramp in the canal. But yeah, like, on in the, the lake. south side of the canal, I guess? Uh, on the right? west side of the canal. Yeah, well, sure, yeah, okay. You're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so he was, like, back in there, and, you know... Caught him really good, actually, which is wild that he did. The, he basically did the same thing every day, and you know, made the top ten. Mm-hmm. Um, he was kind of part of the frog pattern, though, because we saw like quite a few people catch him on top waters and frogs. Yeah, we really did. Um, you know, I think uh, I think even Berghoff might have caught one on a frog one day. Um, you know, we saw some others like get thrown around in the top ten. Kurt Mitchell caught quite a few fish on a frog. Um, like it was, it was cool to see, you know, some non-standard Okeechobee baits play. Not that the Old Faithful stuff didn't play well, it did, but it it was cool to see some other stuff come in, and the frogs are especially cool. Also, uh, back to the canal direction, you're right, it is west. For some reason, I thought the canal went east-west. Uh, so I, that's why I said south, but it runs kind of north-south, so he was on the west side. You're right. I was a little confused. Talking about being confused about Okeechobee made me more confused about Okeechobee. Well, welcome to Okeechobee, because <laughs> we are constantly confused there. Every time. <laughs> um, anyway, I think that might be all that I've got from there now. I, I could be wrong. Yeah, I think so. Uh, oh, I was going to finish it out. Uh, again, we talked about Gagliardi. Uh, Cole Floyd uh, told me he was tired of flipping by the end of the tournament. I didn't know that was possible for Cole Floyd to be tired of flipping. So, you know, Okeechobee beat him down. And, oh, Ryan Salzman. He had one cool little reed clump I talked about at the beginning, but it was like every time he fished around it on the third day when he had his big bag, uh, he would get a big bite. Because um, he had 22-5 on the third day. And that's how he... Uh, jumped in to make the top 10. Uh, fished around it on the final day. I watched him for a little while. Fish were like knocking slack in his line with the chatterbait, but not eating it. And uh, caught it like a four pounder right out the gate. And then it kind of got that whole thing kind of fizzled on him. So, uh, but that was kind of a cool, like s- slightly different only because he was like the only, one of the only guys left uh, basically more North. He was kind of like Indian Prairie ish. Yeah, between was... Pete Ponds and Jim Nees. Exactly. Also, notably, he like lit it up on day three. He, I think, started the day in like 49th or something yeah, like man. that and made the <laughs> top 10, which, you know, back in the old days, he would have finished the day in 49th too because he wouldn't have made the cut. Yeah. Uh, yep. And fishing top 50 on day three is honestly, I think it's a little too much. Um, at the same time, provide some opportunities for some pretty cool things to happen. Yeah, no doubt. You know, that would certainly not have happened uh, in 2019. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so, shout out to him. Shout out. Um, let's see. I think one thing we should mention 
in is the angler of the year race which is uh hypothetically kind of trashed now <laughs> because <laughs> certainly we had you know we all had high hopes for uh you know folks like ron nelson who finished 83rd and spencer sheffield who uh finished 101st mm-hmm. um at the same time um there are some like very interesting names who got off to, I would say, a really good start. Um, you know, one of them being Skeet Reese, <laughs> uh, yep. who, if you look at where he's won, I mean, certainly he does better on, like, power fishing places, but he's kind of got the pedigree to where I, I don't think you can look at really any lake and say, oh, well, he's not going to do well there. So... It certainly seems like he could crush it the rest of the way and maybe, you know, win an AOI. Uh, I think that uh, Miles Berghoff also got off to a really good start. Yeah. Um, and, uh, man, if you want to get, like, interesting, boy, Cole Floyd, sure, seems like things are going well. Oh, yeah. I think you could uh, – I really like uh, looking a little below him. Gagliardi, I think you could make a pretty good Dude, case, like coming out of Florida with derbies? the tent. Yeah, like oh my goodness, this it's is got, like baby yeah. Gags could like Gags could open up a heck of a lead after Smith and Murray. Like it would not shock me if Gagliardi is like way ahead, and he's really good. So like you know, <laughs> he could keep doing that. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then, of course, Justin Lucas, He's in, he finished this one in 14th, so he's 14th in the Angler of the Year race. And, poof, like, I, I, we've talked about him, you know, being a front runner for AOI. I think this Florida finish for him, it's looking ahead for, like, really the rest of the season is, I mean, he's I mean, definitely going to be up there. Like, it would be no surprise for Nelson and Sheffield to run neck and neck with any of these guys the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. But, boy, it's almost impossible. I would say it's really, really hard to overcome uh, anything below, like, 60th to win AOI. Yeah. So, those guys, like, they need to start r- ripping off top 10s, and they need to do it now. <laughs> yeah, like, literally the rest of the year. Which, yeah. you know, they're capable I mean, they of- could do. It wouldn't surprise <laughs> any of us. Um. But uh, it certainly looks like our AOI race is not going to be what it was last year, which is not a bad thing. I mean, last year it was, like, about as by the book as it can get to a degree. Um, yeah, right. And uh, this year we got an interesting mix. We've got, you know, Berghoff, who I feel like very well could be there the rest of the way. Um, and then some, you know, super talented, super accomplished guys right there with him. Um, but that said it's probably really dumb to talk about aoi until we've got like three events under our belt um it's a shorter season so i think probably we'll start talking about it more and like start writing about it like maybe after the second event just because we can but you know florida is it's florida's volatile yeah it's interesting to become or just because florida is usually every year and you look back at a at a pro circuit season that has Florida in it, Florida is usually what hindered a guy from winning AOI, or where the guy survived enough to win AOI. So even though it's the first one out of the gate, like you said, uh, guys like Nelson and Sheffield, who we had high hopes for in AOI, 
probably probably not going to do it unless they rattle off one of the most incredible seasons ever. You know, but for these guys that came out with, you know, pretty strong finishes and maybe don't like Skeet Reese normally doesn't do well in Florida. Dude won a tournament. So, you know, boom, right there. That's that solid uh, foundation for the rest of the season, especially when it sets up, you know, for a guy like him or Lucas, uh, even like Gagliardi, Cole Floyd, Miles Berghoff. What about Kurt Mitchell? He finished 15th. Kurt Mitchell. kind of the hottest angler in the world right now. We keep talking about it. Uh, I can't believe it took me that long to bring up Kurt Mitchell. Uh, and, or, he doesn't you know, have any rods of us to, Well, yeah, he he did get his stuff stolen, him and John Hunter uh, at Okeechobee. But he'll be back and better than ever. He's got a new boat this year, which Kurt Mitchell had the same Triton for, like, decades. Yeah. Maybe not it's decades, also, but, but a while. It, it, it's also not, like, a new boat. It's John Hunter's old boat. Right. New to him boat. Yes. Which was also weird seeing. It's like, whoa, Kurt, your stuff works. What's going on? Yeah, he did run it into a rock at <laughs> day one takeoff, though. He, like, beached it and, like, went right into a rock on the bank. So he's starting off, like, pretty hardcore on the oh, Kurt gosh. Mitchell uh, you know, <laughs> lifestyle with that boat. That guy, man. I would say never buy a boat from Kurt Mitchell, but it might be that it's the luckiest thing in the world to have one of his boats because – he makes hey, a lot right. of checks, man. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I had uh, another thought while we were talking, and I have totally spaced on it. Oh, I know. So, to qualify for the Bass Pro Tour for twenty twenty two, because this is twenty twenty one. Yep. Um, man, my phone doesn't say what year it is. I feel like I need that still. In like maybe in like March or April, I'll 100% know the year. But especially You'll this year, I'm still a little shaky. Um, That's fair. Anyway, so to qualify for the 2022 Bass Pro Tour, uh, you need you're basically going to need to be in the top 10 in points in AOI. Now it varies a little bit. Some depends on what the Bass Pro Tour anglers on the pro circuit do. Like, there's some other, there's some factors in play. It might even be that you need to be in, like, the top five or top six in points. Like, you're yep. going to need to smash them. Um, and uh, it's definitely, it, it definitely puts some pressure on guys like Shuffield and like uh, Nelson. Not only, even if AOI is out of reach, like, there might be a tournament at the end of the year where, Normally, you'd say, well, I got the title locked up. I can kind of coast this. All I need to do is catch limits where they need to be swinging into day three, day four to make up points. Yeah. Um, it, that may not be the case. It's probably too far in advance to think about. But there, it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a shock for somebody to qualify for the Bass Pro Tour and for this to be their lowest finish of the year. And... Like, it could be it could be Shelfield, it could be, um, you know, it could be Shelfield or Nelson or heck Dakota Ebert. Like he's a guy who we expect pretty big things out of. Yep. Well, you know, big accomplishments. We don't expect him to be big. <laughs> uh, he's pr- please don't listen to this, <laughs> Dakota. Sorry. Yeah, Dakota. Uh, please don't please don't murder us. Yes. Um, but uh, like, there's you know some folks who. 
are going to need to catch him just for that qualification uh, as the year goes on. Um, also, I want to shout out Larry Nixon. He finished 82nd. Uh, he was one ounce away from getting a check in his first event back. He caught yeah, shout out both Larry. Days. The general, baby. Like, there is a soft plastic stick bait named after him. Maybe? <laughs> Maybe not. He's a Yamamoto guy? Who knows? Uh, but, uh, yeah. dude, Larry came back kind of in style and uh, really crushed it. So, congratulations to him. Yeah, shout out. Um, Kyle, I feel like we're getting close to your time limit running out on the show here. So, yeah, what else but we do should we need st- to hit? Let's do we, it fast. We should stay maybe. in Florida uh, for the uh, Abu Garcia College Fishing event uh, on the Harris Chain because they wrecked them on the Harris Chain. Uh, yeah, that was this love past how you weekend. That. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the University of North Florida won the Ospreys. And do you know the name of their mascot? Uh, no. Ozzy. Ozzy the Osprey. God dang, I was going to guess that. I should have <laughs> just guessed. <laughs> um, but anyway, so uh, Nicholas uh, Oldham and Jacob Sanders uh, won it. you. <laughs> I mean, they caught 31-11, which That's is good. the new all-time single-day record for college fishing. Uh, for five but- fish. Yeah, for five. Back it, when it, we had the six fish, we did have a high, at least one higher weight. Oh yeah, good point. For five fish, uh, the old record was two thousand nine, which happened to be on Falcon. Which, if you listen to the podcast in the last you know several months, you know we brought up Falcon records a lot. So it's no surprise that's what that was. The old record was twenty nine pounds thirteen ounces. So uh, there were actually two bags that would have broke that. Second place was the University of South Carolina. They weighed thirty pounds and an ounce. Uh, and then, dude, you scroll down the list, like, 10th place was 1913. Uh, third place was 27-4. Fourth was 26-14. Fifth was 21-6. Both fourth and fifth were Auburn. Uh, dude, fourth know, place Eagle. solo. 26-14 yeah. solo. That's wild. Yeah. That, so, I mean, if you're around the Harris chain, apparently you should go fish right now because it's fire. Yeah, it seems like a good place to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so shout out to them that I will, I suspect that between now and next week, we will get to the bottom of that a little bit more, um, because that's a just mega bag and, uh, worth, um, worth diving into. Definitely. Um, the other thing to mention, I suppose, I guess we should talk about high school fishing a little bit. Uh, do you have any idea who won that derby? Not a clue. All right, well, I'm clicking over to on the website, and we are, folks, uh, possibly about to tell you. All right, so this is uh, U.S. Army High School Fishing, which is presented by Favorite Fishing. Um, Okeechobee High School won, so I guess they're from probably around Okeechobee. And uh, it was Tyler Scott and Zach Zanitizer. Or maybe Whoa. Zanitizer. Great name, Zach. Um, <laughs> they had 23-3. Uh, Southern Boone High School, Isaac Jacober, Nathan Vandelicht had 19.5. So uh, the high school folks crushed him too. Dang. Um, but anyway, I guess that's the lowdown there. Um, the uh, let's see. 
The other thing to mention is on Gunnersville right now, or well, probably right now when you're listening to this, we have the Toyota Series event going on. It's the Central Division event. It was like 18 degrees uh, in the morning when the guys were putting in at takeoff. Ooh. They had like blow torches rigged up to uh, propane tanks to like de-ice stuff, uh, which was <laughs> pretty fun. Um, and uh, they're having a derby. Uh, there's like 234 boats in it, I think, which is the largest field for a central division opener we've ever had. There were a few nice. years where I think we used to cap it at 200, so like theoretically maybe we could have had higher fields then, but this is like just definitely the biggest one, so that's cool. Heck and, yeah. Uh, it looks cold, and I feel like probably we're not destined to see ultra-giant Gunnersville weights because we need to be a little later in the year for that, but, you know, it's Gunnersville. Big things can't happen, so uh, stay tuned. Yeah, I like it. Cool. Uh, well, Kyle, I guess that about does it. Um, people can email us, right? They absolutely can. Uh, hit us up, podcast at majorleaguefishing.com, or if you're old school, I think you can still send them to flwfishing.com. Uh, that works. You know, I would be curious, uh, for you folks in the South listening to this, or to this, you know, you're probably hanging out in some snow, uh, maybe some colder temperatures than you're used to, or, yeah. So, you know, if you... If you got any questions about hand, how to handle winter weather, hit us up because, as you know, Jody and I, you know, we embrace the cold. Uh, Kevin Short had a great post on Instagram about a snow shovel that he made. Um, <laughs> I highly recommend looking that up. <laughs> and uh, I guess he's in Arkansas. But also, there's like, so there are legitimately folks who are their lives are in danger <laughs> because it's so cold and there's like a lot of power out in texas and stuff oh yeah so dude texas has a ton of power out. there's like some pretty extreme uh situations going on uh we're about to go down there for red crest um well not kyle and i but you know red crest is about to be down there so yep there's some there's some wildness going on uh but man if we're just going to keep that florida mindset if possible yep um, yeah so be safe be well and, uh, you know, if you're stuck inside and bored, send us an email. Yeah, you might as well. We'll uh, cheer you. But I guess that, that being the case, uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, Jody, have fun back in Vermont. Uh, we'll see each other in a couple weeks on Grand Lake. And uh, until next time, see ya.